Hello, and welcome to Local Matters. I'm Caroline Moore, and today I'm chatting with the owner of Glass Tangerine, Cookville's new indoor plant shop, Emma Crabtree. Hey. Hello, Emma. Thank you so much for joining us this morning. Thanks for having me. Before we dive into all things plants. Yes, yes. Where are you from? So I uh, was originally born in Indiana, moved to Portland, Oregon for a while when I was a kid, and then grew up in the Knoxville area. So right outside of Oak Ridge in a really tiny town called Oliver Springs. Um, And then I moved to Cookville in 2005 to go to tech for my undergrad and just kind of stuck around. When you were young, were you into plants and agriculture? (laughs) No. We had a 4-H program at my school that I did just so I could go to camp. And uh, my dad always had houseplants in the house. But as I talk to him now as an adult, he's like, yeah, they were always dead. And I don't remember that. I just remember there being plants. Um, But I guess they were rotating out pretty frequently. So my parents always tried to have plants in the house. He always liked that. Um, but it wasn't something that anybody in my family was particularly gifted at. So when you were young, what did you want to be when you grow up? Oh, well, classic veterinarian, right? I was yes. going to be a veterinarian until I figured out that like pets are sick sometimes. And sometimes you have to take care of them at their worst moments. And I was like, I don't think I can do that. And then when I started college, I was a history major for about 18 minutes. And then <laughs> I changed um And my undergrad's actually in art education and weaving from the craft center. So I don't know if I ever had like a path clearly defined, but I have a memory, a very strong memory of being, I guess I was in the eighth grade and we did one of those like aptitude tests, you know, that you do. And they always tell you like, oh, you should be this and you should be this. And my teacher was like, you should be an entrepreneur. And I was like, what's that? And like a business owner. And I was like, oh, okay, that sounds cool. And I don't know why that sticks out in my brain, but I've always remembered that. So It's funny how you look back at those moments in your life. They have no significance at the time. Yes. And then you look back and you think, oh, well, I was kind of into art and yes. indoor plants are decor. You have right. to have a flair there and then <laughs> business ownership. Now, how did you wind up in mental health? Uh, so my mom passed away when I was 19, very unexpectedly. She died the day before Thanksgiving, my freshman year of college. Um, and she had, I mean, this is not like surprising news to anybody that knows me or even any of my clients that I'd had in the past. She had like some pretty pervasive mental health issues and she really struggled my whole childhood with a a multitude of things that went undiagnosed. It was the nineties, you know, um, and she committed suicide the day the day before Thanksgiving. Mm. And that really changed my trajectory pretty violently, as you can imagine. Um, I was lost for quite a few years after that and um, living my best college life, you know, making really good decisions. (laughs) And um, it's part of the healing process. Yes. (laughs) But it was, you know, it was kind of a culmination of like, I spent a lot of time in the art studio. And I think that was really helpful for me as like a therapy But also when I got out, I was really passionate about working with people in the grief and loss space. And so that's kind of where it started. So I graduated with my undergrad and then quickly realized, like, I didn't really want to teach. That wasn't something I was passionate about. Um, And I moved to Nashville for two years and I got a job. (laughs) My, My history is very varied, but I got a job at Vanderbilt Medical and I worked in a cancer research lab. 
I worked in this cancer research lab for two years. I had no science background other than what I'd learned in high school. I got the job because I knew a person that knew a person. It was one of those situations. But my job there was I was working with the patient population of our cancer research study. So I would go in and I would talk to them before surgery and I would um, basically get their permission to procure any extra like tissue or fluids that came out of the surgery process that we could then send off from a government grant so that we could provide uh, samples to researchers at a severely discounted rate, which is really important to continue research. So it was through that experience of working at Vanderbilt and working with people that were in this really fragile, terrifying place in their life, coupled with my experience of having been in a really fragile, terrifying place in my life that I thought, I think I want to go and be a therapist. And so I started graduate school, moved back to Cookville, and finished my graduate program at Tech, and then jumped straight into private practice, and uh, I worked at an inpatient mental health hospital for a while. So, yeah. Wow. That's a lot lot. of heaviness. It is. As well for you to take on. It is. Yes. Yeah. (laughs) What was the nature of your work and therapy? Were you seeing patients all day, every day? Did you have an office? Yeah. So I was at um, Infinite Possibilities Counseling over on 10th. um, And it's an amazing practice. If you're looking for a therapist, I'm going to plug them for a second. Um, They're amazing, amazing people, highly qualified, trained individuals. So when I first started um, and all the way up until the time that I left that field, I was at IPC. I had an office Um, I was seeing about 38 clients a week. So I saw nine sessions back to back, 45 minutes at a time. So I would roll nine to 945, 945 to 1030, back to back to back all day, um, Monday through Thursday. And then Friday was really supposed to be for documentation, but like I was really bad at that. So (laughs) (laughs) my documentation was always so behind. But in theory, that's what Fridays were for. Um, And yeah, so I... I worked with all kinds of different issues. I really found my niche, I think, more in like working in a mindfulness space and a general wellness space with people. I really loved working with college students and young adults. A lot of issues around like anxiety, depression. I did some work in the trauma space and with eating disorders, um, a lot of what we call internal family systems. So understanding your own interpersonal things that come from your childhood and wounded child pieces and how do we sort of heal for ourselves? Um, and so, but my youngest client I ever had was five. So I worked with some little kids and my art background helped a lot with that. So we did a lot of art projects and um, went outside and we would paint and things like that. And my oldest client I ever had was actually 93. And that was when I worked um, for Senior Perspectives, which was a senior uh, therapy group that used to meet at the hospital. So you had this wide range of patients yes. and uh, some pretty heavy topics. Oh, yeah. How did you decompress? How did you process all that? Yeah, well, I think that that is kind of the connection for me of where plants started coming in. I mean, my husband and I, we travel a lot um, and we like to do, we'll do like big long trips and we'll travel internationally and we camper van camp. So we'll, yes. So for our honeymoon, we did 10 days in Iceland to start and we had a camper van and we drove all around the entire country and camped. And um, so looking forward to that is always really helpful, but you know, I would like come home and I have my dogs and, um, 
cook dinner and I always had like started collecting these plants around 2015. And it actually started because when my husband and I moved in together for the first time, I, if you've been in the store, <laughs> I'm kind of a maximalist. Like I want to like blow it out. I like to have stuff. It is very comforting to me, not in like a hoarder way, but definitely. No, it's fun. It is I fun. love your style. Thank you. And my husband is very much a minimalist. <laughs> so he moved in in like a day and it took me like three weeks. And so melding those two styles together where we came to, he was like, well, we can decorate with plants. I really like plants. And I was like, okay, I don't know how to take care of plants, but I'll get a plant. And I bought a peace lily, which is like, the worst first plant you can buy because they're so finicky, but I kept it alive for like two years. And so that kind of started that. And that was a real therapy for me was I had a, you know, I was like determined to figure out how to keep plants alive. And so I would come home and work on my plants and learn about them. And, um, and then just like the general stuff everybody else does, like exercise sometimes and <laughs> eat carbs. When you, you know? feel like it, of <laughs> yeah, course. <exactly. laughs> so what made you ultimately leave therapy. Yeah. I think it was the pandemic. I think that that had a huge part of it. I mean, I always knew going into my career that I wouldn't stay in the therapy space in the traditional sense, but I thought that that would be me going on to get my doctorate. That's what that was the path, right? Like my dad's always like, "When are you going to start your PhD program?" and I had applied to a program and I had deferred my enrollment um because it just didn't feel right. You know, it was like it's not the right time, it's not the right time. And Then the pandemic happened, and then it went from seeing 38 patients a week at my office, very structured, very safe environment, to I'm at my house, and my husband's at my house, and at the time we had some family staying with us, and they were in high school, two teenage boys, and we're all trying to do all this. I'm trying to do telehealth. Also, I don't have internet at my house because of where we live. We don't have so if we can get that, anybody, <laughs> Twin Lakes, are you listening? If we can get internet, that would be great. But so it was so hard. And then, you know, a huge part of the therapy experience that makes it work is that what you are going through, I'm not going through, right? So I can mm-hmm. be objective and I can sit on the outside and I can look at it and I can say with reason and insight and I can reflect back of your experience and kind of help you understand your emotions. Well, I can't do that with a global pandemic because we're all going through it together and I don't have the answers, right? I don't know. And so, and I think that that was really hard because I had a lot of people very dysregulated and we're doing these sessions and they're freaking out and they don't know what to do. And I'm freaking out because I don't know what to do. And I'm like locked in my house and it's been a month now so I think that was the the beginning of the end for me. The pandemic seemed to be a huge defining moment for so many people. Yeah, absolutely. I think it broke all of us in a really in really unique ways. Are there are there any things that you still miss about therapy? I do miss my clients a lot. That was mm-hmm. definitely the hardest part. Um, you know, I don't miss a lot of the um parts of like dealing with insurance and you know all of that fun stuff anybody in the medical (laughs) fields like hallelujah but um working with my clients on a one-on-one basis you know I had some clients that I worked with for years um I had teenage girls I'd worked with since they were 12 and I watched them graduate high school that is really hard to leave that relationship um it was time for everyone to leave those relationships regardless of if I was on my way out or not 
But I think that those like that deep connection that you have with somebody and being able to provide a safe space to people, um, I do miss that on a one on one basis. But I also recognize that I'm still providing that. It's just very different now. Well, I'm sure they were lucky to have you more with Emma Crabtree right after the break. What's so important about shopping with locally owned businesses? When you shop local, your hard-earned dollars stay here in the community, helping to benefit your friends and neighbors, local schools, roads, and all aspects of community life. But what happens to my money if I spend it online or at a national chain store? In most cases, the profits go far away, out of state, corporate headquarters, or even overseas. It doesn't take any extra effort to shop local. Office Mart on South Jefferson and Cookville is your locally owned office furniture and supply store. For over 35 years, they've been proud to serve businesses in the Upper Cumberland with quality and value. You get real customer service, too. And unlike shopping online, you can actually see and try out the large inventory of office furniture in their showroom. And when it's delivered, it's not a box on your step. They're glad to install and set up everything. Office Mart. There's no other locally owned office store in the region. South Jefferson Avenue across from Hardee's. Shop local at Office Mart. Hello and welcome back to Local Matters. I'm Caroline Moore and today I'm chatting with the owner of Glass Tangerine, Cookville's new indoor plant shop, Emma Crabtree. Hey, hey. Hello. Emma, why indoor plants specifically? Because you don't do outdoor gardening. You're... You're not a nursery, right? No, No, we're not a nursery. And if you came to my house, you'd be like, that is the plant lady. (laughs) Like, I'm pretty sure I have like three dead rose bushes out front and I've never successfully grown a tomato. So it's a real thorn in my side. But um, yeah, so, you know, earlier I was kind of hinting about my husband and I, we moved in together and we were trying to navigate all the things that come with that. And one of those was like, how are we going to decorate this house? And I'm, (laughs) when we moved in together, I had a vintage crushed velvet yellow like mustard yellow couch and it was my prized possession and I've never seen anyone hate something as much as my (laughs) husband hated that couch (laughs) and so really melding our styles was um it was tricky for us because we just came from different perspectives and different backgrounds but where we landed uh a big compromise was like we can decorate with plants it's minimal we like the way it looks and so that's where it started so i started getting some house plants i got a peace lily first which i don't know why i did that um misguided i guess and then i think we got like some snake plants and some things like that and it just was something that i was so determined to figure out how to do You know, I was like, I'm going to keep these plants alive. Like, that is my goal. And so I just learned and I killed a lot of plants along the way. Um, But I grew to love them. And from a design perspective, I think that plants, they're having a moment right now. They really are. It is such a thing. And um, you can you can work with plants in your space. You can design with plants. You can design around plants. They're so good for our mental health. They're so good for our like physical health and well-being. And they just bring like physical life into our space, right? And so I think that that was something that attracted me to it. And I think that that is something that attracts other people to it now. How long did it take you to feel like you were a plant expert, that you knew how to speak their language and listen to what they were telling you? I still don't feel like I do. (laughs) And that was one of honestly like... So when I started this business uh, fresh three and a half weeks ago, when we (laughs) opened, um, 
I was not really nervous about the business end of things. I have no retail experience. I worked at the Dollar Tree for three months when I was 16, and that's about it. Um, I came into this completely flying blind, and the one thing that I was the most anxious about was people are going to come in and ask me questions that I'm not going to know the answer about these plants. And people are going to come in, and they're going to know the scientific names, and they're going to know all these things about it, and I'm just not. I don't feel like I am at all. If anything, I feel like making it a little bit. But then people do come in and they ask me questions and I can answer fluidly and quickly. And then it's like, okay, maybe I do know more than I think I do. You do. You got to give yourself some credit because when (laughs) I was in there this past weekend, I told you I had no light. I wanted a plant for my desk. You found the right plant for me and a pot that matched my personality. (laughs) So you seem like an expert to me. Maybe it's just like an imposter syndrome. Yeah, definitely some imposter syndrome going on. I think that that's where like my mental health background comes in really well, because a huge part of that job is reading nonverbal cues. Right. Like Mm -hmm. when we're having a conversation, I'm making eye contact with you, which multiple of my clients told me, like, you make really intense eye contact. And I'm like, oh, I do. I don't even notice that. I'm just staring (laughs) into your soul. But you know, making eye contact, reading body language, facial cues, all of this stuff that goes on behind the scenes. And I think that helps me in talking to my customers, but also I think it helps me with plants because so much of what plants are doing is behind the scenes. Like you're looking for tiny changes in their environment. You're looking for tiny changes in like how they look, right? So like a plant might curl its leaves in and that means that it needs water or it might get a little bit more droopy or what I tell people is like it will feel sad and that doesn't make sense until you feel it and then you're like, that does feel sad. Now I get it. And so there's a lot, there's no verbal communication with plants, right? So it's so much of that just reading the room. And I feel like that's something that I'm pretty good at in most cases. I'm Caroline Moore, and today I'm chatting with the owner of Glass Tangerine, Cookville's new indoor plant shop, Emma Crabtree. With your with your store, do you look around and you realize that it's alive all the time? And are you constantly looking for those little changes you were just talking about? Or is it yes. hard because there's too many plants? <laughs> it's funny because I, so one of the things I told my girls Um, So I have five staff members. When we started, I was like, I don't want anything to stay in the same place. I want you to constantly be moving stuff around, which is great from a customer perspective, but really difficult (laughs) from our perspective because somebody came in earlier and they were looking for a pilea and I knew we had one and I had no idea where it had landed. And there's 900 plants in there. So I'm like looking around for it. But it's fun, you know, to always be keeping an eye on things and it keeps things fresh. But yeah, I mean, our our whole store is perishable items and um, we have to take that into account when we talk about time off, if we're going to close the store for any amount of time, um, how often we're running the humidifiers, are the grow lights on timers, what type of shipping process do we have in place? Um, because they can be pretty fragile at times. And so, you know, I'm coming home every day and I will like reach into my pocket and I'm constantly pulling out leaves because I'm walking around the store all the time <laughs> and I just pop off all of the yellowing or like dead leaves, which is a normal part of the plant process. But um, yeah, it's just you're constantly touching and interplaying with these living creatures in your space. And, and it's it's can be a lot when there's 900 plus of them. Uh, do you do that out in the real world, too? Has 
this change your perspective on your environment, no matter where you are? Yes. My uh, husband has his own law firm, and I'm going to call out one of his associates right now. But I walked into his <laughs> office the other day, and he said hi to me, and I didn't even say anything to him. And I was like, what did you do to that plant? It was so dead. And he no. was like, I'm going to water it. And I was like, don't. It's dead. Like, just let it go. Got to move on. Yes. But I um, I do notice those things in my environment. Like, when I go to people's houses, um, it's kind of a joke with one of my other friends. They have a fiddly fig. And it's still in the living room, but there's nothing. It's just a stick. Like, there's nothing on it. Not a single <laughs> leaf. And I think they just leave it there to, like, see what it's going to happen. Um, but they always send me pictures of those things. And so I'm kind of, yeah, definitely known now. But people also will say, like, don't judge me. Don't come over to my house and judge my plants. And I'm like, I won't. But maybe I do a little bit. I don't know. I don't mean you to. Will. Are well, you the friend that they're constantly sending the photographs to? Yes. <laughs> What's wrong with it? Tell me. Yes, yes. And we've also opened that up to customers, too. So I'm getting pictures of, like, all these poor dead plants all the time. Um, and I've had to tell, tell a couple people, like, okay, well, I understand that you're really attached to that plant, but it is it is deceased. And so come into the store. We'll get it replaced for you. But It's time to move on. It's time to move on. Yeah. <laughs> Do you yeah. Do house calls, too? So that's something that we're looking at doing um, and expanding into now that I've got a little bit more help at the shop and I don't have to be married to that part of it all of the time. I would love to get to the point where I can do house calls. I am doing like business consulting. So I styled the exceptional bean for CG and Michael and I'm working with a dental studio now and we're going to be doing some really cool stuff there so doing the commercial spaces first and then we would love to be able to step into like house calls or even like staging um, and things like that plant rentals I mean the possibilities are really endless I was going to say when I was in your store and I looked at how beautiful it was I thought I could see people wanting to rent this space out for an event (laughs) yes which is also an option so um, I had a private event last night it was the master gardeners had their meeting at the shop and then I did a little presentation with them Um, we're hosting a baby shower coming up in November um, on a Sunday so yeah I mean I think that as long as it's a small group of people you know less than like 15 probably it could be a really unique space to have events and I've had photographers reach out I've had two girls do senior portraits um, in the space and yeah it's just a really unique cool vibe more with Emma Crabtree after the break Hello and welcome back to Local Matters. I'm Caroline Moore and today I am chatting with the owner of Glass Tangerine, Cookville's new indoor plant shop, Emma Crabtree. You're really living up to your name, by the way, Crabtree. I know. know. Isn't that so serendipitous? Thank you, Seth. Destiny fulfilled. (laughs) (laughs) So when did the idea of Glass Tangerine come along? You just opened the shop, but obviously it takes a lot of work and effort and time to open up a store. Yes. So the original, so I would go back probably about seven years. Um, Me and a couple of my friends got very, very, very close to opening a small store. And we knew we wanted to do something with like handmade items and in the retail space, but the timing wasn't right and the finances weren't really right. And so we didn't end up moving forward with it. But that was probably the first time that the thought of opening a retail space came into my mind. And then... I would say the decision was made June of 2021, so probably for about six months leading up to that, the beginning of 2021, my husband and I were having a lot of conversations around, like, me and 
my happiness and I was having a lot of health problems at the time. And we had had just like a really traumatic couple of years as, as everyone else did. And so there was just, everything was kind of pushing me towards like, it's time to do something different. And so that was when I made the decision, like, okay, I really want to do this. I've wanted to do this for a long time. I'm just going to try to figure it out. So I made the call in June of 2021 that I was going to leave my job and open a store. And then the next probably eight months was just planning and naming and sourcing and all the things that come along. So I had a solid like 13 months from the time I made the final decision and took the first leap till we opened the doors to to really pull it all together. You mentioned naming. How did Glass Tangerine come along? (laughs) Yeah, so it's really not an attractive story. Um, There was a lot of Excel documents involved and spreadsheets. (laughs) Um, I can be a pretty analytical person as well. And so I was looking at names and I was trying to figure out, like, what did I want? And I knew what I didn't want. Um, I knew that there was a structure that I didn't want in the naming process. And I wanted it to be something weird and different that didn't make any sense. Those were my three criteria. And so I first started to look at, I pulled all the names of all the businesses that I could think of in Cookville, all the small businesses, and I put them in an Excel document. So if you own a small business in Cookville, your business (laughs) is in an Excel document in my computer. And then I organized them by how the name was physically structured. So is it something and something, or like a color and a name, or a number and a name, or however it was put together. And I kind of figured out what were the patterns that were repeating so that I could do something that was different. And then I started looking up words that described horticulture, botany, things like that from the early 1900s because my building was built circa like 1910, 1930-ish, somewhere in there. And so I wanted to stick in that Art Deco time frame. They used to call greenhouses glass houses. And I loved that, but I didn't want to use house um, because there's a couple other businesses in town that also have house in their name, including my neighbor, the Click House. And so I was like, well, I don't want to become redundant in that. So I started pulling plant names and I got down to tangerine and I just, I don't know, it just clicked. I was like, that doesn't make any sense. And it's kind of weird. Tangerine is just a fun word. Um, and it's also a really great color. There's a lot you can do with it branding wise, um, the creativity, you can go in endless directions, but then from a purely business perspective, I could get the domain name and all the Instagram handles and the LLC and all the things. So I sat on it for a couple of days and actually the, the point that made me choose it, I was walking into Soulcraft and Anna and Tyler Dunn who own Soulcraft are my landlords. And I was walking to Soulcraft and I'd said, I'm going to find a name today. I'm going to finalize it. And I walked to the back and there's this picture that Anna had put out right by the back door. And it was a group of tangerines in a glass frame. And I was like, what? That's your sign. I know. And I asked her about it. I'd sent her a text. And I told her a story and she was like, oh my gosh, I just pulled that out of storage like two days ago. So that felt like, okay, I'm going to go for it. Glass tangerine it was. And you mentioned the building. You are in the building across from Crawdaddy's, mm-hmm. more or less. Yes. How did you pick that space? So also very serendipitous. This was, I think this whole story about glass tangerine in general is very much like when you make the call to take a leap, things will fall into place. And Mm -hmm. I believe that fully. So I had made this decision. I was looking at some spaces. There was actually a different building on 10th that I liked. And um, I had been talking to CG. She's a good friend of mine and um, amazing business owner. And so I was like, help me. I don't know what I'm doing. And (laughs) we had sat by her pool one night and we were talking about it. And she said, 
there's a couple of people in town that you should talk to. That would be great resources for you. And one of those was Anna Dunn. And she's like, you should go into Soulcraft and talk to her. And I was like, okay. So I'm a pretty extroverted person. So I just walk into Soulcraft one day. And Anna stayed up front. And I recognized her from her picture. So I was like, hey, are you Anna? She's like, yeah. I was like, <laughs> um, I was told I need to talk to you. CG told me that I need to talk to you. My name's Emma. And I'm starting this business. And I don't know what I'm doing. And I really need support and help. And she and I just hit it off immediately. We started talking. And I told her about my idea and she really liked it. And she was like, well, do you have a space? And I was like, no, I don't have a space yet. And she's like, well, I have a space. And I was like, you do. And that's sort of where we started. And then it just took off from there and it was a perfect fit. When you look at a space, you also have to fact in, factor in light. Yeah. So when you looked at the building across the street uh, from Soulcraft, mm-hmm. where Glass Tangerine is located, what were you thinking? Did oh, it's it... really dark in here. <laughs> it is. I was going to say. <laughs> Yeah, so we have black ceilings and brick walls, and luckily the floor, we did uncover the original white hex tile floor from the early 1900s that's original to the building, and so that helps a lot, but it is not, it's very moody in there, which I love. I love it too. But the plants are, you know, you have to take some extra precautions for that, and so a couple of things. One, Anna and Tyler, they did raise, I think they added like five feet of window space to the front of the building. So if you drove by for like a couple of months in the spring, the whole front of the building was nothing but a tarp because they took the whole front of the building off pretty mm. much and completely refaced it. Um, and most of that were structural issues that just needed to be fixed, but also they wanted to add this window. So that really helped. But I have northern and southern facing windows. And so um, for the plants, We really had to put in a lot of infrastructure to make sure that they would be taken care of. So that's rotating them around, making sure that they have a good light. And then also we have grow lights everywhere. So we're constantly running grow lights. But we are set up right now where everything that's in there is really healthy and it gets access to what it needs. But, yeah, the first time I walked in there, I was like, I love the location, but it is like a cave in here. (laughs) It's gorgeous, though. Y'all have to go see it. And you also have a floral shop in there, too. Yes. Yeah. So... When all of this started, I was like, I know that I want to have a a flower bar. Like that was, there was a couple of non-negotiables. I was like, if I'm going to do plants, I also want to do flowers. And I wanted to have a floral bar and I knew exactly how I wanted it to be. But I'm not a florist. I have no experience in being a florist. I wanted locally grown flowers if I could find them. And um, so I had gotten in touch with Wendy Williams and it was funny. She owns Three Sisters Farms. Well, I had messaged her and she had messaged me and neither of us had seen the other one's message. She had heard (laughs) about me and knew I was doing this. So we get coffee one day and it was the perfect fit. She really wanted to have a brick and mortar space, but she runs a flower farm. So she can't be there all the time. And I really wanted to have a flower farmer, but I didn't want to be a florist. And so it was just this like perfect marriage for the two of us. And we really worked together to figure out exactly how it was going to work behind the scenes. And so we were able to offer grab-and-go bouquets and single-stem flowers so you can come in and our staff will help you build a bouquet. Um, It can be as big as you want or as small as you want. You can buy flowers by the stem or you can just grab a bouquet on a Tuesday. And that was really important to me because I love to have fresh flowers around, but I didn't know where to go purchase them on the fly. It's really cool. You can just walk in and get help from her amazing staff. Mm -hmm. Everybody in there cannot be nicer and they know their stuff. Mm -hmm. 
how do you find staff like this? Are you looking for people who have experience and yeah. plants? <laughs> yeah, it's it's a, you know, it's a process. But when I first did interviews, I uh, put it on Instagram. And my husband, who's a business owner, and, you know, other business owners are all, like, really struggling to find staff right now. So, I was like, I need to hire quick and I need to hire early. So, I put out the call on Instagram. I had 21 applications. And every single one of those people showed up for their interview because I was like, I don't know, let's just, just interview all of them. And so I interviewed every single one. I interviewed 21 people. Um, and there was just a couple of people in the interview process that I felt like they knew the plants, they were interested in them, but also they had some retail experience, which has been great because I've been able to lean on them a lot and say, like, this is how I thought I should do it, but how did they do it at whatever other place you worked at, right? So um, that's been really helpful for me. Well, it's got a great ambiance because not only can you walk in and interact with the staff and look at the plants, you can sit down. Yes. Now, before we go, we got to talk about Stanley. We got to talk about Stanley. <laughs> Stanley is an iconic lizard yes. that lives in the shop. <laughs> yeah. So Stanley is just maybe a week old now. Um, what we think happened was that Stanley's mom uh, put her eggs in a plant in a greenhouse in Florida, and then that plant I purchased and was shipped to me. But I had a shipping issue with a plant shipment a couple weeks ago where they got stuck in transit. So they got stuck in the back of a semi-truck for seven days in a semi-truck field, live plants, and some of the plants didn't survive, but we think it actually incubated Stanley's egg, and then he hatched in the store. And Wendy found him walking around on the floor amongst the flowers. And when I say he's little, like he's smaller than the size of a quarter. He's he's, an, he's not even an inch. No, he's tiny. So I don't know how she spotted him, but she picked him up and put him in a cup and gave him to me. I was like, I have no idea what to do with this. And so, but I knew he couldn't go back outside because he wouldn't survive here. So we kept him in the cup and he escaped the cup. And then McCray, one of my staff members, she caught him again the next day. We'd been putting it on our Instagram. People started to get really invested in Stanley, and they were, like, really worried about him. I named him Stanley after Stanley from the office because he kind of has a grumpy face. And uh, <laughs> so we built him a terrarium, and people – he's on our Instagram. You can check in on Stanley. He's doing really well. He eats really healthily now, and he's getting bigger. <laughs> and we have Stanley stickers coming next week drawn by Wilma Henry Designs. And people are coming in the shop just to see Stanley. So if nothing else, you got to come by and see Stanley because he is actually really adorable. Emma, tell the people where they can find Glass Tangerine in town and online. Yeah, so we are online at glasstangerine.com. Um, and in town, we are at 44 West Broad Street, directly across from Crawdaddy's. And we are the shop with the big floral towers on the front. So you cannot miss it. You can't miss it. Nope. Thank you so much, Emma, for coming in. Yes. And go check out the Glass Tangerine in Cookville.